Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Yes, sir, it is. Okay. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I am so excited. We've had a couple of shifts this morning. There's some freedom in the house of the Lord today. It's a new normal, and the Holy Spirit is having his way. So I'm just going to pray real quickly. Father, we love you and thank you so much for this opportunity to come into your house, to praise you, Father, to sense your presence, to see you breaking the chains, Father, on each and every heart and life and bringing freedom to this house. And, Father, we aggressively lean into you today and every day, Lord, for the future of what you are doing. Lord, we... We give you honor and glory. Father, I just ask that you would be with me as I bring this word, Lord, that it would be from your heart. That's my desire. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think you've kind of noticed that we've kind of been setting a foundation, if you will, over the past couple of months. And um, today, I volunteered to bring a word on giving. And you're probably thinking, who does that? Well, because I understand the principle and the spirit behind it and what God intended in our giving. And so um, in our deacons and leaders meeting, um, I volunteered to do this. And I knew immediately when I volunteered that the Lord was going to come from a different way. Um, The end result will be the same. And um, God wants us to give. And he's going to teach us how to give today and why we give. So um, the scripture that the Lord laid on my heart is a little different. Um, And you'll probably, when we read it, you'll wonder, wow, where is she going with this? And, you know, honestly, that's what I asked the Lord as well. I said, Lord, where are you going with this? Because this really doesn't have anything to do with giving. But the Lord laid the scripture on my heart five times. And we know that five is grace. So I knew that not only was he going to give me grace to bring the word today, but he was going to give you grace to receive the word. And let the word of God penetrate your heart, the seedbed of your heart, the seeds from this word to go in and take root and bear fruit. Okay? So if you would turn with me to um, Proverbs 3, and we're going to look at verse 5 and 6. Wave or holler when you're there. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. You're welcome. Belinda's waving. Okay. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. So the Lord began to show me that, um, I don't know if you all know, but I work in our school. And um, many of us here are parents, and when parents bring their little babies into our infant room, they're little infants, and they're completely dependent upon us. You parents have had children, little baby Ruth. We um, 
give them everything that they need. We feed them their bottles, we make sure they're warm and their bottom is dry. They tell us when something's wrong because they're screaming and crying. So they are completely dependent upon us. But not far along down the path of infancy comes toddlers. And when a child becomes a toddler, we begin to notice that independent streak and that they're stubborn and that they want their way. And, you know, we as parents, we know that there's a balance and we, we want them to be independent because we want to raise them to be strong and, and secure in who they are and who they are in the Lord so that they can be successful in the world, right? Right. But, you know, we have learned in the kingdom of God that God does everything differently. His ways are not our ways, and we don't think always like he does. And so if you'll notice in this scripture, I want to bring your attention to the word lean. Expressive thought of supporting yourself. So in the natural, we learn at at the age of a toddler to lean upon ourselves. We grow up, we learn how to work, we learn how to drive, all the important things to be successful in life. But in the kingdom of God, when we become a child, when we ask Jesus to come into our heart, when we lay our life down, he does the opposite of us. And he wants us to learn to depend upon him. Now, it takes a life of discipline to learn to lean on the Lord. It doesn't come easily because you remember we have learned our entire life to be independent and do things our way. But the ways of the kingdom, he desires that we depend on him for everything, that we go to him for everything. The next thing I want to bring to your attention is acknowledge. So in the scripture here, it says, acknowledge him in all your ways. So this suggests that we are fully aware of and we're in fellowship with him. In uh, other places in the scripture, it says it means no, not N-O, but K-N-O-W, meaning that we know by observation, investigation, we're reflecting, we experience. The highest level of no is in direct, intimate contact. Now, I know you're still wondering, where are you going with this, Deb? But I want you to follow me. Don't lose heart. It refers here to life-giving intimacy as in marriage. Now, when we apply this spiritually, this is going to suggest an intimacy with God. Now, you'll, if you look back over the words that have been coming, God's kind of been weaving a tapestry, if you will, since the feast. And there are several really bright, beautiful, silky ribbons that are running through this. And one of them is the secret place, the inner room, intimacy with God. Now, if we do not have that intimate relationship with him, if we're not relying on him and leaning upon him and acknowledging him in everything that we do, what happens? Pardon me? 
Well, Father never leaves us. He's always there. But what happens if we're not disciplining ourselves to listen and to lean in and asking the Father, what would you have me do here? See, in that intimacy, we become strong in the Lord. We become courageous in the realm of the Spirit. And then, because someday there's going to be things that he's going to ask us to do that we're afraid to do. But when we're walking with him, when we're leaning in, we're acknowledging him in everything that we do, we don't have to be afraid. This is a foundational piece. How many of you know when we built this building, we had to build a foundation? Then we put up the walls and the roof. This is a part of God's foundation. It's very important for us to learn. Because in the secret place, when we're relying and leaning and acknowledging him, he's going to speak to us. Because each and every one of us in the days ahead are going to have to do things that's going to require an intimate relationship with him. You remember I shared weeks ago about Jehu, how he had to get up from the familiar place and go into the inner room. And in that inner room, not only did he receive the word of the Lord, but he received the anointing to walk out the word of the Lord because at that time, ten minutes before the prophet showed up, Jehu had no idea that his life was about to change. And so was not the course of a nation. But he obeyed and he went into the inner room. And therefore the prophet blessed him, gave him the word of the Lord, and anointed him to do what he had to do. Righteousness brings a reward over and over and over again. In the word of God, but in Proverbs, many scriptures. Now, I want to take a look at Proverbs 3. Now we're going to look at verses 7 through 10. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Oh, there we go. Here's the giving part. In the word of God, it's not so much mechanical, but the Lord shows us that there is a spiritual law of reaping and sowing in every area of our life. Whatever we reap, we are going, whatever we sow, we're going to reap. So if we sow little, we're going to reap little. If we sow mean words, will we reap mean words? Um, in every area of our life. So in giving, not just giving money, that's what we're talking about today, tithes and offerings, but in every area that we give in, whether it's cleaning the church, and we come in, and maybe we're in a rush and we hurry through. But you know, this is the house of the Lord. And the Lord's asked us. He's taught us. He's a God of excellence. 
in everything that we do, if we do it in excellence, if we sow in excellence from our hearts, because we have an intimate relationship with him, because in intimacy, in relationship with the Lord, then comes the desire to please him and obey him. Now, hear me. It's a law. It's one of God's laws to give. And when we don't give, we disobey. So let's turn to Malachi 3, please. And we are going to look at verses 10, 11, and 12. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, room enough means sufficient. It's, large, it's a large enough quantity. It's, it's plenty. It's measure, measureless. So I want to kind of talk quickly about the Lord's prosperity plan. And I know some of you are thinking, I don't have anything to give, and we're going to talk about that. We'll, we'll touch on that, but not yet. Many people are handicapped by their own poverty. And too often their poverty is caused by their own disobedience to the word. I know some of this is harsh, if you haven't heard this before. But I want you to know that Father loves you. And he loves you enough to tell you the truth. And so do I. And I'm not just up here speaking just to speak. I have lived this. I have learned how to give, and to give well, and to give freely. And he has never, ever, one time, not been faithful, ever, never. He's always taken care of every one of my needs, body, soul, and spirit. See, if you will be faithful to sow in to the realm of the spirit, in the inner room, in the secret place, God grants you certain things. Because he wants to be all of our friends. This is something that's really close to my heart. He desires all of us to come into the secret place, to have relationship with him. Because in that place, when we fall in love with him, we don't care what he asks us to do. Because he doesn't care, honestly, yes, it's a law in the word of God to give. Do you think he needs your money? No. He wants us to obey him. And in our hearts, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. When you are so in love with him and you trust him, you're like, Okay, Daddy, I'm not saying he's going to ask you to give up the farm. I don't know. He may. 
But if he does, he's probably got a mansion that he's going to be in shortly. The word of God is clear. Are we, if we are withholding our tithes, we're robbing God. Consequently, we are also robbing ourselves. When you do not give and obey God, you rob yourself because each and every one of us have blessings and gifts with our name on it. Our name, there are storehouses with blessings and gifts for everyone in this room, every child of God. And when we obey, God says, ka-ching, give it to him. That used to throw off a little. <laughs> ka-ching. So remember, we're breaking the law when we don't tithe. It's a spiritual law. The Lord has many. We're breaking the law. And we're only hurting ourselves. And we're not benefiting the house of the Lord. Because let me tell you, when we give our tithes and offerings, it is to keep this house going. It's to pay our pastors. It's to pay the electric bill and put gas in the propane tank. There are many things that our tithes and offering do to benefit this house. We're going to talk about that later. So it's important that we give and that we pay in the house of the Lord, where you are a member, which, Norm, what an awesome word you brought last week. In the scripture in Malachi, we see that God invites you to prove him, prove him. We can experience the windows of heaven opening and pouring out blessings that we can't even hold up or contain. Can you imagine? I mean, just try to wrap your brain around that. You know how wonderful it is at Christmas or at your birthday when one of your friends really blesses you and gives you this unbelievable gift. Yet Father says, you can't even contain what I have for you. It's abundantly above anything that you have ever hoped for, believed in, or dreamed of. Think about that. That's how much he loves you. And not only that, then when we do that, he promises to rebuke the devourer. So all those blessings and gifts that you have that Father has set aside for you with your name, when you obey him and you put your tithe and offering in the plate or you give wherever he tells you to give, there is no way possible. He says, I will take out the devourer. He's not going to come near you. He's going to bless your field. He's going to bless your pocketbook. He's going to bless your home and your house. God stands the test every time, people. Let's turn to Galatians 6. And we are going to look at verse 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. 
but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In God's timetable, sometimes there is a quick return, and other times there are not. Sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's years, sometimes it could even be a lifetime. But God's word does not lie, and God is not a man that he would lie. In fact, it says in his word that he sends out his word. Remember, God created all of the universe with his word. So he sends out his word, the word of God, and it goes forth, it obeys him, it does every single thing that he tells his word to do. It never falls to the ground and it never returns void. There is always a reward. Three things. God will cause a harvest to come from the seeds that you sow or give. Again, God is never early or late. He's always right on time. And when he comes, it's always with our best interest. May not be what you think, but God knows best. Our harvest will have the same nature as our seeds sown. Remember, you reap what you sow. Good seeds bring good harvest. Bad seeds bring bad harvest. In the meantime, God says to you today, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Keep your faith alive. Keep giving. Keep praying. Keep loving. God's harvest is guaranteed. Keep an attitude of expectancy. And finally, if you would turn to Mark 12. talk about the nothing now. Turn to Mark 12. We're going to look at verses 41 through 44. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two months which make a quandary. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Her livelihood was her way to make money. And that day, she gave it all. I want to read a little something here in my Bible. Down at the bottom, it explains what a mite is. A mite was the smallest coin in circulation in Palestine at that time and was worth about one-fourth of a cent. For the benefit of his Roman readers, Mark explains that the value in Roman coinage, a quadrant was one sixty-fourth 
of a Daenerys, a labor's daily wage. That's a little tiny bit of money. And that's all she has. So to those of you who say, I have nothing to give, you do. You have something to give. It does not matter how small it is. Whether we're talking money or time sewing in to this church. Whether it's cleaning the church or serving at the coffee hour or one of the ministries greeting the food bank. It does not matter how little you think that you have. Because that little that you have, God gave to you. And he wants you to give back. I want you to understand that whatever that gift may be, the gift that you give, again, is the key issue. It's not the amount. See, that woman literally gave everything she had. She gave 100%. No, she gave 100% of what she had, everything. Yeah, he was amazed. He was so blessed. She had nothing left. She gave everything. So the key issue is it's an issue of our heart. So now you understand why we started with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. When you make the decision to enter the intimate relationship with Jesus and walk hand in hand, there is nothing that you can't accomplish. Absolutely nothing. Because your faith is so strong. You trust him so much that you know if he says to you that day, I want you to give everything you have, you're going to know that he's faithful, that he loves you. And you never outgive God. Never outgive God. So, amen. Let's pray. Yes. Yes, please do. Yes. Here, Cass. Here, here. Um, I, now you can. <laughs> um, it's not anything we haven't men- mentioned before, but I, I want to give you this picture because this is what the Lord was showing me. It was when she said... Um, You reap what you sow. That means you get a harvest of what you sow. Right? Mm -hmm. Anybody else want to explain it? You reap what you sow. So the best analogy and the one he was showing me is he showed me a bunch of corn. How many of you like corn on the cob in the summer? Love it. I mean, how many of us wait for corn on the cob? I don't care how you fix it. I will eat it. I love it. It's so yummy. I just love it. One time, when my kids were little, and Julie might remember it, I don't know, but when my kids were little, they were so little that Jed was a baby. I was nursing him. And somebody had donated four acres of land for us to use to plant corn.
we were going to raise corn to feed our pigs that we would sell, and then we would make enough money to have one so we'd have food. Okay, four acres of land. Beautiful, beautiful, fertile land. Problem was, we didn't have a tractor. We didn't have money to hire somebody. Lonnie and I went over there, and we dug that land. We dug it with our hands. And our kids came with us. We didn't make them dig. They couldn't do that. It was too much because they were little. Well, Julie, if, if Jed was just a baby, Julie would have been about eight or nine years old. And then the others were up. I held, like somebody was saying, oh, I'm holding a baby. I don't know what I can do. I had that baby. I was either holding him or I was nursing him while I was working. Okay, that's a picture for you. Bending over, digging, whatever. If I didn't have two arms, I was stomping out clods, trying to get the ground. I'm talking four acres of land. That's a lot. That's like Little House in the Prairie days. And we took it by faith. But we had to have that because we, we knew we didn't have the money to buy the corn to raise the hogs. So we went and we bought our seed. We got our seed. And my kids, and we had a little trio. I've still got Jed under this arm, and I'm you know, doing what I can, and I'm giving the kids seed. So one would make the hole. The next one would drop the seed. My next daughter would cover the seed, and I'd go and tamp it right behind them. Do you see what I mean? We were sowing. Let me tell you, that fall, we reaped a harvest. We had, so, we had more than we needed to feed them, and we had stuff to put in a big tower to keep over the winter and dry out for the next year. Okay? Just a little side story. We sowed what we had. And sometimes when we sow, it's not easy. Okay? It would have been a heck of a lot easier if I'd had somebody come over and till that land. Heck of a lot easier if I had somebody with a, with a corn rower that did the rows. You know, it wasn't easy to sow. But I'll tell you what, God blessed it. And yeah, we had blisters and we had aching backs and it took several days. And that wasn't because we were off working. He was working full time. So this is after work and on weekends. Okay? It would have stopped most people. Actually, we were insane. <laughs> I mean, come on. Who does that? Four acres. Are you crazy? Yes, we were. But we needed it. And I'll tell you what, we, understand, we understood the principle of sowing and reaping. We'd learned how to give already. But we understood it, and we were banking on God to bless it abundantly. We had enough to get this started. It wasn't much, but we did it. And when God said, I'll give you the land, we went for it. This is what I saw while Debbie was preaching. I wish I had a big sack of feed here. I wish I had a bunch of corn seed, because all of you were saying how much you love corn. I'd give you each 100 seeds. Corn. There's two things that you can do with that seed. 
Let's just say I gave you each one a hundred seeds. That doesn't look like too much. Really, you could hand it and some of you guys would handle a hundred seeds right in one hand. Some of your hands are big enough. Some of us ladies would take two. Now, we can't sow that yet because it's not time to sow it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So between now and then, what happens with that seed? You might get pretty hungry between now and the time to sow that seed. You might say, I don't have anything to eat, and all I've got is this 100 grains of corn. That corn is edible. Believe me, I came from a poor family. And sometimes we even took cow feed because we had nothing. And we soaked it overnight two or three days, and we ate it, and my mother cooked it. You could get hungry enough to eat that seed. Now two things are going to happen. If I plant that seed like I just told you, what am I going to get out of 100 corn plants? You guys, how much am I going to get? You can get, you can get 10, you know, you treat it right, you water it, you fertilize it, you watch over it, you can get at least 10... Uh, ears of corn off one. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to reap a harvest out of one, one little seed. And I'm talking money. Your money is your seed when it comes to the house of God. If I ate my corn seed, what am I going to reap? What if I said I'm hungry and I just somehow didn't have enough faith to press in for something else and sow that where I needed to sow it? I'm not going to have a harvest. You guys will have the harvest. It's kind of like the, the ten virgins. Five of them had oil because they'd sown. And they went and took care of business. Five of them didn't. And they said, give me some of yours. Well... I'd share. But are you getting my drift? You've got seed. It's in your pocket. It's money. If you spend it all on yourself and you don't sow, you will not have this harvest that Debbie was telling us about today. You, the word said, I, I heard you say it. He said, if you will give and give me the tithe, I will rebuke the devourer. Did you know, and this is what the Lord just told me, I would never thought of it, but when he showed me that corn, he said, sometimes you are the devourer. That flipped me out here. So if you ate your own seed, you devoured it yourself. You didn't give, him ha you di you didn't give faith a chance. You didn't give faith a chance. You know, when I started giving to God, you know, we could honestly say we didn't have anything. We bought a five-pound ham and two loaves of cheap white bread. And Lonnie and I survived on it with my family week after week after week. And a gallon of milk and oatmeal for my kids. But I gave. 
And once I started sowing the seed, it was just a little, just a little more, a little more. Everything that my sister preached here today became my portion. And I'm praising for it, and I thank him for it. So I just wanted to share you that little vision I got here. That's a mind blower, isn't it? What blew me away is what about the times that I didn't obey him and I devoured my seed and I didn't get the harvest he was, he'd given me the seed. See? He'd given it to me. And the seed, the the, uh, sower, he's given us seeds to sow. So we can't say that we don't have anything. Because everything we have is his, and he gave it to us in the first place. He's just asking for 10 cents back on the dollar, that's all. I love you all. It's good. It's good to hear the word, isn't it? Because where our treasure is, that's where our heart is also. There's a lot of hurt out here in this world. I want to be part of the cure. I want to sow seeds to see it. I want to reap a harvest of blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your living word. Thank you for the many the many parts of this house, Father. Next door is our friends and family. There's a meal prepared. And then we're having our business meeting to follow. What time is it now? Anybody got a watch? What is it? We're right for 12. So we'll be back here about quarter of one, 12.30? About 20, about 20 minutes to 12. But also uh, this young lady, Leah. How old is she? Leah, how old is she? Four years old. She has So, Father, we bring Aleah before you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring healing to that young child. Father, we we rebuke the devourer of her health. And, Father, we bind the evidence of that which darkness, the spirit of infirmity, has tried to come upon this little girl. And we destroy its works. She's a child of yours, Father, in Jesus' name. We place the blood of Jesus upon that little child's physical body. And, Father, let the love of your presence flood her right now. And we, Father, declare the greater works, the sign and the wonder of who you are and the evidence of your life intervening on that child's behalf. Let our prayers, Father, stir your heart and move your arm. In Jesus' name, amen. next year's budget. <laughs>